I'm Peyton Warmke with Heartbrand Beef located in Flatonia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, it's a great day to be a Texan and it's a great day for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has caused big volatility in the agricultural markets, especially the grain markets. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Hundreds of dairy farmers and dairy industry professionals are heading to Amarillo for a major conference. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Very good moisture in the Texas Rio Grande Valley already has newly planted corn emerging from the ground. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments on the progress of the planting season from a Valley Farmer on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, Pat Mady Griffiths. We will talk about preparations that producers are making in anticipation for the spring planting. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Russian invasion of Ukraine sent the grain markets soaring higher on Thursday than crashing lower on Friday. Jim McCormick is a hedging strategist with agmarket.net. He says there's a good reason for the grain markets to be unstable right now, given the amount of grain that's exported from that part of the world. Well, I think right now there's definitely a knee-jerk reaction. There's a lot of unknown that's that's happening. But the market, you know, is very concerned about what's there, and, and rightfully so. Ukraine roughly represents about 3%, you know, 3%, 4% of the world's corn production between the Ukraine and Russia. But when you get to the wheat production, they're roughly almost 14 15% of the world's wheat production. There are huge export markets out there. And now we don't know, are they going to get that product out, the stuff they've already sold, the corn specifically, roughly 600 million bushels? Winter wheat, obviously coming out of dormancy. Are they going to get that harvested if you're in the middle of a shooting conflict trying to get this corn crop planted? So if you take all that bushels pretty much off the board, you know, you still have people in the world to feed. You know, you're just going to kind of shake up how the cards are played, and it looks like you're probably going to get more and more demand to the United States. So just how high can we expect corn and wheat prices to go? Right now, to try to pick the top, it's going to be, in my opinion, it's impossible. We just don't know how bad it's going to get. The one thing I, you know, 
I think this is the knee-jerk reaction. My guess is within a couple of days, day maybe, maybe next week we will maybe calm down and maybe see some of a re- retracement from a near-term peak. But I would guess we're only in the early stages of this volatile into the summertime. It may last months when this is all said and done. Old crop corn is now around $7 a bushel with new crop corn around six twenty-five. New crop hard red winter wheat has now topped $9 a bushel. The big jump in grain prices is not what cattle feeders want to see. Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says feedlots have been profitable so far this year, but that may be changing very quickly, despite the fact that fed cattle prices have risen into the mid-140s. The problem is these prices are high. They're not the highest we've ever seen, but they're fairly high over the average. But with inflation and everything and the pricing of all the inputs, we're going to have to continue to see this price get higher or we will go from being in the black to being in the red pretty quick. And actually, if you look at a 750-pound animal being placed in the yard today, they're actually being placed on a cash basis uh, in the red. One positive note for feedlots is that the rise in corn prices has caused the price of feeder cattle to drop lower. Hundreds of dairy farmers and dairy industry professionals are heading to Amarillo for a major conference. James Hunt has the story. More than 300 dairy farmers and industry professionals are expected to come to Amarillo for a major conference taking place Tuesday, March 1st and Wednesday, March 2nd. Texas A&M AgriLife dairy specialist Juan Pinero says the event is geared towards serving producers in our region. The name of the conference is High Plains Dairy Conference and it's focused on five states mainly, Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Colorado. So we have topics that would be of the interest of all dairy farmers, but some of the topics are specific about this region. Dr. Pinheiro says one topic to be covered is feeding and managing for components. As he explains, milk production in our region is less about fluid milk in general and more about producing milk that has high levels of the protein and fat components desired by our local dairy manufacturing plants. If you look at this area, we don't have close by milk plants that produce fluid milk. It's mostly cheese and powder. So those plants are the ones that are buying the milk from the dairy farmers in the Texas Panhandle and Eastern New Mexico. Of course, if you are in the business of producing cheese, you are more interested in protein and fat than a processing plant that will be producing fluid milk. Among other topics to be covered, the market outlook, feed cost containment strategies, the impact of government policies, and the ins and outs of anaerobic digester contracts. Once again, the High Plains Dairy Conference is Tuesday and Wednesday at the Embassy Suites in Amarillo. For more information, go online and search with the words High Plains Dairy Conference 2022. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn is emerging in deep south Texas. Tom Nicoletti visits with a farmer in the Rio Grande Valley. We go to the southernmost region of the state today, and Bryce Wildey is my guest. He is a farmer in Willacy County in the town of Lyford. And uh, Bryce, you are planting your crops uh, here for 2022, starting on Valentine's Day with your corn and then your grain sorghum the day after. So how is the planting process going at this point? You know, we're real fortunate to have a lot of good moisture this year. We very rarely get 
substantial amount of rain in January to give us plenty of moisture. But this year we did. So once it finally dried up and warmed up, we were able to get the planters in the field. And so we hit it hard and didn't really stop until this little cold front. Yes, and Bryce, your area of the state is one of the regions that is not suffering from the drought. Yes, sir. That's correct. Uh, here on the, the coastal counties, we're in good shape. Once you get further west, like uh, I would imagine into Star County, I think they're okay, but they would like some rain for sure. But we're, we're in good shape. Yes, and your corn is already emerging from the ground, so uh, that's encouraging as well. It is. The oil temperature is a little colder, and I was thinking it was going to take 10 to 14 days to come out of the ground, but the seventh day he was out, and when we started, we were on the upward trend of the soil temperatures rising. I don't anticipate that to slow down at all. What are optimum soil temperatures down there to plant uh, your grain crops and then uh, later your cotton? I think you would like to see things 60 degrees and rising. I think with corn, you can maybe a little squeeze in, in the 50s. You could really think about getting some in the ground, but we like to see 60 and rising. With cotton, you want to see in the 65 and rising. That is Real Grand Valley farmer Bryce Wildey. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers on the Southern Plains are making preparations for spring planting. Eddie Griffiths has an update from the Lubbock area. Producers in West Texas at this time are making preparations for spring planting, whether that be through field cultivation or still putting spring cover crops into the ground to try to help eliminate erosion and a lot of this ground from blowing away. The biggest problem with that at this time, producers rely on a little bit of moisture to help get that out of the ground. There hasn't been enough moisture to really get germination started on a lot of these cover crops. So producers are either going to have to have irrigation if that's available or just simply wait and hope that we get some type of moisture where it gets up big enough to try to get the ground cover out there to hold the soil down during the spring winds. Producers are also trying to make decisions on input costs going into spring and summer and just exactly what they can afford, especially with fertilizer and herbicide cost at their current pace that could bold for limited inputs just simply because it won't pencil out at the end of the year. So a lot of decisions being made by producers at this time. But as far as weather in West Texas, cold weather still in place here at this time. Looking forward probably to some warmer temperatures and definitely some rainfall from around the area. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. Federal and state legislation would allow active duty military and veterans extra days to hunt. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on that coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. And the most common cause of colic in horses is an impaction. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, 
visit texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The most common cause of colic in horses is an impaction. Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things you can do to prevent an impaction. Colic is certainly scary to horse owners, and rightly so. The most important thing to prevent impaction colic is to make sure your horse stays hydrated. The old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink, is true. However, there are some things you can do to increase your horse's thirst, and since sodium is the electrolyte that stimulates thirst, adding sodium or salt to your horse's diet is a good idea. Lots of folks use salt blocks, but Dr. Claire Thunes indicates in the horse publication that most horses do not get enough salt from salt blocks. An average 1,100-pound horse needs about an ounce of sodium chloride or table salt per day. And to meet these requirements from a salt block, a horse would have to consume two pounds of salt in a block form each month, which is unlikely to occur. So to be on the safe side, the best option is to feed each horse one ounce of table salt or two tablespoons per day and still give them access to a salt block. If the weather is hotter, you can increase the salt amount, although some horses will not eat the feed if it is too salty. You can try flavored electrolyte mixes that are readily available, and many horses like the taste of these. However, they are frequently expensive, and you have to determine the dose by looking at the amount of sodium in the mixture and not the amount of other electrolytes or the recommendations on the label. Most of the labels do not recommend enough of the electrolyte mixture to get the horse enough sodium. Soaking the hay is also helpful in increasing water consumption and also softens the hay. Feeding hay pellets is less likely to cause an impaction than feeding long stem hay. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Federal and state legislation would allow active duty military and veterans extra days to hunt. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Active military personnel and military veterans will have an additional opportunity to hunt waterfowl in the 2022-2023 hunting season. Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explained the hunting season to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. The John Dingell Jr. Conservation Management Recreation Act of 2019 was signed by President Trump then. John Dingell Jr. was a longstanding representative from Michigan. Unfortunately, when we were going to try to implement this last couple years, we realized we did not have legislative statute authority to do this. There was two companion bills introduced during this last session. There was a bill, SB 675, by Cole Course, and then also by one in the House. First one to get to the finish line was SB 675 by Cole Course, and so that allowed us the statute authority to actually implement uh, this special season. Right now, staff are proposing to be concurrent with youth-only waterfall seasons, and then also, as we mentioned in November briefing, the proof of veteran status would be acquired in the field. Right now, as written in staff proposal, this would be your driver's license where you get veteran written on top, DD-214 uh, or DT-215, and basically also a lot of latitude with Basically, any federal paperwork that you have that shows that you're on leave or that you're a veteran would also be allowed in the field as well. The veteran and active military waterfowl season would take place with the youth waterfowl season. It's primarily the weekend prior to regular season opening in our three zones. 
Texas Parks and Wildlife Department staff proposed including the special military hunting days in the upcoming hunting season calendar for 2022-2023. The proposal and other proposed changes will be published in the Texas Register for public comment before consideration and adoption by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The volatility in the grain markets continued on Friday, only this time it was a sharp drop, especially in the wheat market. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is National FFA Week, and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Western Region Vice President Josiah Crookshank from Oregon. Many special activities are happening in in FFA communities this week, but all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up a very volatile trading week in the agricultural markets on Friday thanks to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. After that invasion on Wednesday, the grain market shot limit up. However, on Friday, we gave back a lot of those gains with the markets crashing lower. Of course, the grain markets affect the livestock trade, especially the feeder cattle market, and a big drop in corn prices Friday caused a higher close on feeders. But that wasn't enough to move live cattle futures higher. We finished lower in the live cattle market with February down $1.25, 139.27, April down 37 at 141.92, June live cattle down 30, 138.30. But the feeder market did finish on a higher note Friday with March feeder cattle up 92 cents, 160.02. The April up 95 at 164.75, while May feeder cattle were up 87 cents, 170.60. Cash fed cattle market this week, seeing a wide range here in the south. We sold cattle anywhere from 138 to 143, but most of our cattle sold at 142. That's fully steady with the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday, choice up 53 cents, 259.77, select up 118 at 255.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Sounds like we've got a sheep and goat sale going on in San Angelo. Well, it went on on Tuesday, and I talked to Benny Cox on Wednesday. Benny, how'd that thing sell for y'all? We had 5510, you know, a thousand more than we had the week before. We had a number of wool sheep this week. I'd call them steady. We had some real nice springers, and they were really nice flesh. They sold really well. They they had some size to them. Slaughter lamb, kind of 10 to $15 lower again, especially on, on those that have a little weight on them. The ones that are carrying a good deal of flesh sell at a premium, and, and you'll see a discount on some of those that are not. Uh, the slaughter ewes, they sold 5 to 10 lower. Skid goats, they sold near steady, considering the quality. Slaughter down. Andy's, they sell from 180 up to 250. That was a bit higher than what it was last week. Slaughter Billy's anywhere from 2 to 245. On those wool feeder lambs, we had some of those old big things right up there at 100. They bring $3. And 
Indians that weighed up in the mid-70s bring 335. And those ethnic people always get up there around that 75 and they go to back and off if they can. Looking at these hair sheep slaughter lambs, mostly 330 to 404. Still, I'm going to call that market 10 to 15 lower. The the bigger end, there's where you saw as much as $20 lower. 250 to 360 Still a still a really good market. Most of those that were really nice and still you know, they still bring three twenty plus. It's a lot of used acceleration one sixty to one eighty six, but mostly one sixty three to one seventy six. Kid goat selling a range from three forty to four sixty five, mostly four oh eight to four thirty seven, with some of those feeders up as high as four seventy two. Well tell everybody how to contact you, Beanie. They can call me on my mobile, it's three two five two three four four two seven seven. The office, same area code, six five three 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 seven one. Or they can always look at the web which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed lower on Friday. April hogs dropped $1.85, 103.67. May hogs down 230 at 107.82. Class 3 milk was lower. Nearby February milk down 3 at 20.92 a hundredweight. March milk down 59 cents. 21.92.100. The cotton market closed lower on Friday. We got some support from a weekly export sales report, which looked fairly good with 247,200 bales of cotton sold. Shipments posted a marketing year high of 350,000 bales. Now, that news was supportive to the market, but we ended up closing lower, but well off of the day's lows. May cotton was down 53 points to close at 118.63. December cotton down 94 at $1.33. As we mentioned earlier, a big drop on the grain markets on Friday. Corn and wheat both seeing major losses. March corn down 35 and a half at 659 and a half. New crop September corn down 26 and a half, 594 and a quarter. The wheat market limit down in expanded limits on Friday. July Kansas City wheat dropped 75 cents, 881 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat limit down 75 cents at 850 a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas down 16 cents, 447. April crude oil down 73 at 9208 a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Friday afternoon. The Dow up 834 points, 34,058. The Nasdaq up 221 at 13,694. The S&P up 95 at 4,384. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.